Tara or Tifa? Eris or Aerith? Celeste or Celis? Today, on Press B to Cancel. <laughs> oh, wait. I don't know how our actual song goes because I'm, <laughs> I'm too used I'm to sure listening Arthur to the original. I'm sure Arthur would be very proud right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Press B to Cancel. So guys, welcome. I am Pulse109. Today we are going to talk about Final Fantasy VI and Final Fantasy VII. With me, I have the council, as I like to call them, and I'm trying to make it stick, so hopefully it'll stick. I have Sick Jake. Hey, glad to be here. We have Werewolf. Hey-o! And we have Guy Prime. I think I have to go with Rosa, Final Fantasy IV. Thank you. Deal. Okay, so, uh, yeah, let's just switch that. Let's just go straight into Final Fantasy IV instead. No. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some Final Fantasy VI and Final Fantasy VII today. That's, uh, I think we're all, for the most part, Final Fantasy fans in here, in the council. Anybody want to argue against that or state against that? Eh, we won't hold it against you. I, <laughs> okay. I am, but depends on the game. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, let's just try to talk a little objectively between the differences between six and seven. Um, there's been a lot of, you know, debate on what is the greatest Final Fantasy game. And seven, of course, is at the top of most people's lists. Uh, for me, it's not my, just for argument's sake, mine personal favorite is four, but I think the best game is six. How about you, uh, GP? I'm with you. Final Fantasy IV, actually my favorite. Um, I, uh, yes, I think I do have to give a bit of an edge to Final Fantasy VI over seven. Edge is in four, not not six. Oh God, that was good. Well done. Okay. How about Jake? <laughs> uh, you know, like, I, and as a kid, I used to love the Final Fantasy games, and I like to say that I still like them. But I tried playing 7 recently, and I tried playing 4 recently, and I hit a wall on 4 where I just, just so dissatisfied with it. So I don't know if I'm still a fan of the series anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I have I went through 7, and I was kind of a little bit of a grind for me, but uh, I rushed through, so I'm a, you know it could have been a whole lot worse. How about you, uh, Werewolf? Um, 4 is my favorite out of the franchise, but... I know it's not objectively the best, and from the ones I've played, I gotta give that one to six over seven for sure. So I think we're pretty much on par with it here. Jake's kind of got the same feelings as me here for seven, but in my research now over the last couple of weeks, just trying to prepare for this podcast episode here, I, I kind of got a lot more respect for the things that seven has done. I mean, I had a lot of respect, but there's it's it's kind of cemented now, so six is a lot of stuff <laughs> there's so many things about it that i can talk about for days and days it's like i said it's not my favorite but it might as well be my favorite because there's so much great about it seven i think is great for different reasons uh, it became what made role-playing games in north america like socially acceptable they added things into it that made a role-playing game just not you know turn-based combat and nothing else there was cool 
like badass MP, uh, F, eh, badass FMVs. There was mini games, you know, there was different systems and stuff that you could customize more, and it was a little bit less glitchy than, you know, Final Fantasy VI, at least as we saw it as uh, three in North America. What's some of your earliest memories of either six or seven? I just want to see which ones pop out more. So what would you rather talk about really quickly, uh, GP? Okay, okay. I'm going to talk about seven uh, because I want to embarrass myself with a quick story. Uh, <laughs> I, got the, I got the game and my PlayStation 1 for Christmas 1997. Um, I started off, did not know that I needed to have a memory card. So that was fun. We figured that out eventually. Fast forward, I'm addicted as I think fuck I made that mistake. to Final Fantasy VII. I get to the Temple of the Ancients. I don't realize that the clock, you have to use it as a bridge. So I'm trying every combination of every fucking time and then going back through the rest of the temple trying to see if anything has changed. Spent 65 hours alone in that temple and wrecked the rest of the game as soon as I got out. <laughs> are you are you trolling with us again? Nope. Or? That was that story is one hundred percent true. Now the second time I played it, I went back and got all the materials. But by the time I got out, I'm like, fuck it, I just want to beat the game. But uh, yeah. sixty five hours in the Temple of the Ancients, even today when I go back and replay it, I have to mute it because I cannot hear that music anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Well, dedication. Damn. I appreciate that one. Uh, Werewolf, how about you? Which one stands out to you right now? Um, six. It's it's gotta be that opera. Oh yeah, that's. I'm not gonna argue with that. If there's a standout moment in either of those games, it's the opera. You don't even need to talk about it really, because it's just like one of those things. Really, though, just like oh, I, I'm not gonna be rude here because you guys just let me tell my story, but not the <laughs> Kafka, not the Kafka battle. That's not what stood out. No, you the first time you're going through that game, especially back then, you know, when yeah. and and now when you're playing through it, when you understand the limitations of the hardware at the time, the fact that they still managed to make an opera segment that actually felt kind of like it was to, like an actual opera that you're just watching in 16 bit. That is impressive as hell to me. Yeah, agree. And yeah. The fact that all the lyrics fit with the the sound and tempo of the music. Okay, yeah. I'll it it did good. such a good job. And, you know, little, I don't know, 12, 13-year-old me, I got actual chills when I was watching. I was like, this is awesome. Like, I totally nerded out. I never realized until doing my research either that it's a metaphor for what's going on in the world, too. And I was like, oh, wow. So that kind of blew my mind. Yeah. At 35 years old. <laughs> so, Jake, how about you? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was also Final Fantasy VI, I, I think. I mean, I owned the first game. It's one of the first, probably the first JRPG I played as a kid was the first Final Fantasy. And I borrowed the second from my friend all the damn time. So when the third was coming out, I saved my pennies and I wanted to get it. But that car was expensive. And that's my most vivid memory of that game. Is it... <laughs> Well, okay, so in, in Canada... It, I don't have enough pennies. <laughs> hey, man, Canadian poor. But there, it, up here, we had a store <laughs> yeah. called Consumers Distributing, which is an interesting store. And uh, the way it works, you walked in, and it's like, it like a warehouse-type store, and a small front area, and you fill a little index card with the, the number of the item you want. So I went in there as a kid, and I, you know, I put the number for Final Fantasy III on the, on the paper. 
And I hand it to him. He rings it up. It's $90. This is Canadian, but $90 for the 90s. It's an expensive cart. And then it comes out on this little conveyor belt and it just flies down. (laughs) And then they hand it to you. It was a very odd experience. (laughs) That's how I bought video games in the 90s. And that vaguely reminds me of Toys R Us when I was a kid. Or were they similar back then? Uh, Back then, we would go into Toys R Us, at least for like big ticket items or expensive items that were small, like video games, bikes, that sort of thing. You'd Mm -hmm. go over to where you wanted it, find the tag for it, pull out the paper, take it up front, ring it up, and they'd send it out on a conveyor uh, (laughs) conveyor belt after you purchased it. You'd have to take it over to the counter for... Getting your item, come out on a conveyor belt, and you're on your way. It's such a weird contrast to today with Amazon, where shit like that gets dropped to my doorstep. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, like, but like you, the, the music like- in Final Fantasy VI is the absolute standout. And for me, it was the various character themes, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But I love the music in Final Fantasy VI, and they're so impactful. I mean, I like seven too, but six was my standout memory. I like that. I'm going to go with uh, seven. Just uh, just for the fact, I like six better, but uh, I'm going to say that I haven't played six as much as I've played seven, but I like six better. It makes no sense to me, but I remember in high school borrowing it from my friend and played it for hours and hours and hours. I mean, I had, I think, three or four Master Magic Materias. I had a double Master Summon I had all of them except for, I think it was the yellow ones because that was ridiculous to get. I played past the point of where the game actually registers how long you've been playing because it kind of resets itself after 100 hours. I think the number would change, so it would be like flashing yellow or something to show that you already went over 100 hours. And then after you went over 200, I think is how it worked, that would just kind of just max out at like 9999 or whatever. And so I have no idea how many hours I actually killed just leveling everybody up to a level 100 so for for a game that i i loved in high school i really i think i burnt myself out on it because i haven't really felt the need to play it since but uh, i have in the last year i've been i played it on stream actually and i kind of did the quick way through and i got through by the skin of my teeth so yeah no so there's a lot of things going on in both six and seven the stories are just they're so much different they can have so many similar themes but six, I find resonates more for me. I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's just it feels like more of a personal story because you know the world is it seems like smaller. You know, all the towns that you go in are you know little spots, you know little villages kind of thing. And you know this is a hardware limitation first off, but you know it's supposed to be still a big world. And I think they did with the PS One. I think they were able to kind of give you a bigger scale. The futuristic, you know, the steampunk angle and stuff like that, and then you get outside of Midgar and everything else is more classic Final Fantasy. I found, like, that was a big shift for me, and it really threw me off a lot, so... Were you disappointed after Midgar? Because they spent so much time, I mean, practically the first disc, on Midgar, and it's such a fleshed out, and it feels like a huge city. And then when you're done with that Midgar, you're on the world map, Nothing quite compares to that first city. I think I know what you're talking about there, but for me, I was uh, because I was spent so much time in there. I thought it was going to be like, oh my god, is everything going to be this intense? <laughs> but uh, no, when we got out of it finally, I was I was kind of relieved because I was like, okay, now this is where I want to be. I want to I want to kill 
stuff and ride chocobos and so it wasn't so big a deal but i i think that's part of what made it so integral is how much time you actually spend in midgar so when you finally get out and realize there's a whole different world besides this city then you know it's it's kind of cool it's just like oh wow you know what else is this game going to offer so well it's kind of like the matrix also once you get out of midgar um everything changes from those like dark green and dirty kind of colors into the clear, you know, clean green of the grass. And then they finally introduce blue into the color palette. You know what I mean? Like you have the sky, you have the ocean and it, it feels cleaner. Like, you know, you understand it's a video game and your characters aren't real, but you can breathe better now that you're out of Midgar. Yeah. Midgar did a really good job of conveying that this city is just so polluted and smogged up and corrupted and it's a mess. Exactly. So it's, I think they needed that, which was really cool. And they did such a great job. Like it's not a small feat for you to get out of Midgar. I mean, how many hours do you have clocked into the game? Um, it starts a whole lot faster with final fantasy six. You jump in, you don't know what's going on. You know, they, they get your attention in similar ways. You start out the beginning of six, um, controlling Terra and the Magitek Knights there. And she's going, you know, you don't know what's going on and question, you get so many questions. And now all of a sudden in seven, it's the same thing. You're about to blow up a reactor kind of deal. And you're like, what's, what's going on? So they start off very similar in the way that, you know, you don't know what's going on and you're trying to piece it together as you go along. Um, it's it's interesting because some of the things that made it so well received in seven are a lot of things that spawned off of six. You know, uh, materia system was a natural progression. A lot of people say for coming from espers. You know, um, is a lot more strategy involved. It was a lot more polished, obviously, but they had so much in common with each other. I mean, espers were basically permanent materia. You know, you could learn your spells, keep them. But materia required you to strategize more. So, like, that's that's something in its favor yeah. for seven that I really never thought of before. Materia had strategy in, you know, materia choices as well as materia synergies. Exactly. So, the, and there's different ways you could play it. Like, if you played through six, you know, uh, this is probably the only complaint I have about six is that everybody becomes a mage. So, <laughs> um, you get. Everyone, you know, you teach Saban or Sabin, as I always called him. Um, you teach him Ultima and then never use it because you're too busy, you know, suplexing trains. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's weird because, you know, it's a little bit more typical older style generation game for six because you could still do that grind. You could still teach everybody every spell you need to do. You can do that in uh, seven to a degree, but at it's it's a different way of doing it. Like you can pass it on to another character so you can have another character instead of, you know, having to do the same thing over with each character. So it's, it's, it's a different experience, but I thought it was, I don't want to say a better one. <laughs> uh, I think statistically it might be, but I mean, like I, I'm just an Esper's fan. I liked it more. See, for me, I, when it came to the Esper's, I didn't feel a need to max them out. I mean, I played six a few times over the years, and I never really felt the need to grind for spells for everybody, or, I, or at least it didn't feel like much of a grind. Whereas Materia and Seven, 
I felt, especially toward the end game, when you want to get certain material maxed out in order to duplicate, that took, that was really grindy. I didn't like that at all. And I felt it was a little bit much, it, the leveling of your material, I did not like at all. I felt it too grindy, I guess is the way to sum it up. I also prefer the espers. Uh, but I also found materia as a, as a gameplay mechanic was probably superior. And just like Wolf said with synergies, the customization aspect was really interesting. But I don't think they really kind of went all the way they should have with it. They could have done more with it. The best example of materia, I think, being done well is um, a game called Path of Exile, which they do their skills similar to materia, where you can take a fire-based skill and attach, you know, um, a, 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 another gem called Split. Suddenly that fireball splits into two. Or you can attach an ice effect to that fire spell. Suddenly it's an ice fireball. Like that kind of mechanic in Path of Exile is something I really wish we had back in Final Fantasy VII where you could do more with the materia. Hmm. Yeah, that's that sounds really cool, actually. Another thing to consider with Six is and like the Espers versus Materia is Materia kind of took not just the Espers, but also a lot of the relics from Six and melded them into one function. Do you want to uh, give an example here for anybody who's yeah, listening? Yeah, so what there was i don't remember the names of the relics from six anymore it's been so long but you'd get a relic that would make it so you'd attack four times or something right so oh, you'd equip Genji that Grove. yeah there you go so you'd equip that and then you'd do a big attack like that and so stuff like that got turned into materia but then so did the big spell chains like the big Blizzagas and Firagas and things like that, those also got dumped into a Materia. So it it sort of meshed two systems that were very broad strokes into one system with a finer brush. So I, I do think Materia on the whole was a much more focused mechanic than Esper's, but then you also had a much smaller set of characters yeah, I like with that. that though. It probably made the game. That's that's probably what made the game at least if it wasn't less grindy, seem less grindy, because you were doing things. You weren't maxing out espers for every single character. You were that the materia could be transferred from character to character in the party, and it would still maintain its level that it had before. Right, and that's that's the thing. Like it ended up becoming a point where you can pass it off to somebody so if somebody in your party died I'm still kind of pissed about spoilers, that spoilers um, please I'm not, I'm not saying names okay i'm just saying but uh, i mean there's there's different points in the game where your characters leave like you know eris is gone at one point you know maybe forever maybe not you don't know cloud is the main character arguably of the entire game and you know you lose him tifa leaves to go with cloud at one point you know so characters leave in the party and you know what would happen if you if i had a if i had a group of just cloud tifa and eris or Aerith, then you know you'd be screwed <laughs> but you can take their take their material put it on another character and go and it's not a like a game changer anymore so you can you know you have to learn you have to adjust to it but it's not going to like ruin your experience it's kind of like you would lose characters in six as well you know especially when you have to get them all back in the world of ruin later on but at the same time it's a little bit different because you know 
the way the leveling scale, you know, if you if you grind it ahead of time, everybody else that you get further down the line are kind of on par with who you already have. It's a little bit, it's, well, actually, it's a lot more lenient, but uh, it can be a lot more grindy depending on how you play. So I, I, I want to interject and just kind of make a point here about both Final Fantasy VI and VII. I know we're contrasting them, but in one way that they are the same, I think they are the two, in my opinion, of the kind of classic series, we'll say up to like 9 or 10, the grindiest of the games. But I find that the grind in both of the games is entertaining. Six for its own reasons, you know, you can just make every <coughs> a mage, like, you know, like you said. <laughs> but with, with the thing about seven, the reason I like seven so much, um, with the and here we are halfway through the show. I'm considering changing my my camp and saying Final Fantasy seven because now I've got an urge to play it. Um, but <laughs> the, the thing about the materia system is, if you know what you're doing and you know where to go and you know what to equip and how to equip it, grinding is not that bad. There are weapons and uh, armor out there that will give you twice and triple the, uh, you know, um, AP or whatever that AP. goes toward that. Or there are areas where you don't get experience, but you get a buttload of AP. And, you know, there's likewise, or similarly, again, in 6 and 7, parts of the game <clears throat> where once you get to this this part, you realize there's nothing that you have to do. You can just go and grind if you want to. And uh, to me, yeah. that's that's brilliant. They leave you the open window, and they say you have access, you know, now to the entirety of the world. Go explore, find out how to do this, or spend you know two hundred hours doing it, you know, or don't. It's completely up to you. But for as grindy as both six and seven can be, I don't get bored with that part of the game. I get bored with other parts of the games, but never. Never the grind. And I think that's part of the brilliant thing about them. The one thing with the grind for Final Fantasy VII specifically is, especially toward the late game, you want to use the summons to nuke everything when you're doing fast battles. But <laughs> it's not as bad as eight, <laughs> but seven, those summons are really long. How'd you find those? Yeah. Wasn't uh, Knights of the Round something like oh, yeah. a minute and 30 seconds or something like that? Unless you do dual cast quadramagic and then it's all afternoon. <laughs> it's four times, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, no, you're right. They're, they're very cinematic and they are breathtaking and for the time beautiful. But, yeah, once you, you spam them, you know, four times in a row, twice, they lose their charm. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Like Bahamut, can you please stop blowing up the earth and give me a short short one, please? Just just spit your vampire yeah. ball. <laughs> but but <laughs> when you're 14 years old and you have an opportunity to see Shiva eight times... Uh, you use that. Oh, baby. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. All right. She's she's still my favorite this day. Now I'm going to be thinking about Shiva for the rest of the episode. So thanks there. Um, okay. So I don't know where to go from here. I uh, let me let me take it for a moment. I'd, I'd like to say that, you know, I I know I ruffle a lot of feathers because I, I, I talk a lot about how I'm not the biggest fan of seven when seven comes up. I for everything it gets right, and it does, it gets a lot right. The biggest and most important shortcoming for me with that game is it is a 90-hour pity party. I can't deal with that much. Don't get me wrong. First time I played through the game, I was enthralled. Everything was awesome to me. It was a wonderful experience. It changed how RPGs were presented and what was expected of JRPGs. Great, you know. But 
It's just 90 hours of constant sadness. No, my story's sad. No, my story's sad. And yeah, there's the little bits of quirky in there. Like you can make Cloud and Barrett go on a date at the Gold Saucer. But <laughs> I mean, there's there's never a moment that's like, yes, this is awesome. You know, <laughs> it's it's always just like, God, everybody's so sad. Cloud's whiny too. Just emo whiny yeah i don't disagree with you except for one part i i, I will say i think the weakest part of final fantasy 7 is cloud uh and his story everybody else's stories make some sense and all that kind of stuff but there's a lot of big question marks that aren't very cohesive with cloud and he's, he's so angsty and not a great leader but he's the protagonist but the one thing i disagree with you the most on on what you just said werewolf is you said, you know, one of the, the weaknesses there compared to 6 is how sad everybody's story is. Final Fantasy VI has the most heart-wrenching backstories. Setzer, Cyan. There has never been a more tragic story than Cyan's story, if you ask me. I don't disagree with you, but you have points in that story where those characters are not constantly in a low. You know, there are, there are a lot of points in Six that are you know, upbeat and <laughs> I'm sorry, not does necessarily Umaro ever seem happy, <laughs> not necessarily cheerful, but upbeat. You know, it's, it's a moment that's not about the sadness. There are points that are like, crap, we got to get this done. This is, you know, this is awesome. This is epic. This is amazing. You know, this is adventure. Seven never felt like adventure to me. Oh, see, I, I, I thought it was plenty of adventure, but you're right. Even going into the final battle, Cloud is like, well, here we are. Guess we should let's go. Let's mosey. Yeah, let's mosey. Yeah, yeah. So I, I agree. <laughs> he, he's not the most effective protagonist, and I do find that to be one of the bigger weaknesses of Seven. You brought up two good points there, both of you actually. And one, I'm gonna, I want to address one real quick because it's the quicker of the two. But I want to say, like, I think Six has a has an advantage on being a lot more positive and upbeat, considering the graphics and like you know the overall art. Because you know the it's pixel art, you know it's it's cartoony, it's it's limited. They're trying to go for something more serious with seven. They're trying to make it more dark and gloomy. Uh, so I I think you're totally right though. Like it, everybody's always on a down note. You know, Sid was a cantankerous old geezer because he never got to go to the moon. You know, Vincent was beating himself and braiding himself and locked himself in a coffin because he couldn't do he couldn't save the woman he loved. You know, all these everybody has this heart-wrenching story and you know these are the reasons why they're fighting but well i mean not so much sid but but everybody has a reason to go against shinra um everybody has a reason to stick around in six because they all want to save the world from kefka because you know everybody has a reason behind it you know cyan like you said well, this is probably the most heart-wrenching uh, and i never realized it until now but yeah <laughs> that's you know he's He's trying to go for that. So all this stuff, I think, with the art is what I'm trying to get at is that, you know, the graphics of Six, where they're more chibi style, they're more cartoony, they're more pixel, as opposed to trying to go for something more serious with Seven. I think that in its favor there, because it kind of makes the lighthearted moments more light. And then you kind of have to use your imagination more for when things get darker. Because, I mean, when I was a kid and I saw Kefka coming... 
I was like, oh, this guy's a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't like him. I was just like, he's, he's a, he's, good it's a villain, joker. But he's bad. He's he is. Yeah, but exactly. But like, I didn't respect it as much as a kid. But now that I look at it, I'm like, okay, you have that theater in your mind, like GP says. And you know, it makes you think about it and say, this guy is crazy. You know, he's not just like wearing a clown makeup and just kind of nuts. Like, he's a pure villain. You know, with the art style, you have to kind of... Fill in the blanks is what I'm trying to say. But see, in seven, you don't get the the quite so quirky relationships that you get in six. I mean, you you get the, you know, they they all have sad stories. Let's let's take Gao for example. I mean, poor kid. He grew up in the wild. He was basically raised by wolves, and you know, never knew his parents. Speaks poorly. He barely speaks, but. His relationship with Cyan and Sabin, it's it's not only heartwarming, it's also hilarious. Yeah. They took a sad character and made him not make you go, God, this poor kid, this poor kid, this poor kid. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I don't think Gao's a sad story. I agree. You have this kid, he goes out in the wilderness, he's battling monsters, he's basically a Pokemon trainer. <laughs> Everybody praises Ash and Red and Pokemon as like this great character. Gao was Ash. Here's here's exactly why Gao got is, a thou is all. So oh my god. Okay, it's not that Gao is fighting the monsters. He's living amongst them, learning their stuff. And then once you feed him beef jerky, that's all you have to do to get him to turn on them. Because then he will go and kill everybody he just ran with. Like, he's a, he's a liability is all I'm saying. You better hope nobody else has beef jerky or your whole crew is gone. <laughs> I'm scared of Gao now. I love Gao. Thanks. I love Gao. But you're right. There's that, there's that tragic thing about, you know, being separated from his parents and living in the wilderness. But he's never a character that feels bad for himself. Cloud feels bad for himself every moment of yep. every second, even when staring <laughs> at Tifa. He's like, I'm sad that you're hot. And And if I'm... Yeah. <laughs> My favorite character in Seven is Barrett because as sad as he is and as sad as his story is, he's always trying to find the silver lining. He's always trying to be upbeat. He's he's trying to raise Marlene to not see the world as the piece of crap that it is. Or at least <laughs> identify the pieces of crap instead of saying everything sucks, being yeah. able to be like, no, it's just Shinra. Everything but I else mean, is if- cool. Barrett's always angry, though. He's angry because he feels the need to fight for his it's child. It's a righteous even anger. When, even when I was a teenager playing this when it first came out, I saw that and I loved that about that character. But I think Cloud is just like, how can you just not all the time? <laughs> like I like Barrett too, but he's always so angry. He's like, Cloud, why don't you care? I'm so angry. You don't care. Marlene, I'm so angry. My glass yeah. is empty. I- I'm going to shoot bullets into our house again. I suspect part of that is because of... uh, I think some of it is just how much anime style they rubbed on the story, but I also think part of it is translation. Well, but also think about this. They, the characters didn't really have faces. They didn't have facial expressions because of the limitations. They had shape, but they didn't have faces. So you think about um, the script and then like the animations of Barrett. Whenever he gets mad, he shakes his fist and you can see him trembling. That gives a little bit more drama because you can't see the anger on his face. You can read the words in the script and know that he's he's cussing and know that he's shaking. And, yeah, you kind of take over. Um, that said, I do you guys know the actor Craig Robinson? 
I imagine he is Barrett. So even when he's angry, it still has that edge to it of, I'm going to try to make everything okay, but this sucks. Uh, you know, so yeah, otherwise I think everybody would just be crapping in their boxer briefs the entire time. Wait, is that the guy from Hot Tub Time Machine? It is. And The Office. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me he's not Barrett. I could see that. I think next time I try playing Seven, I need to like pick an actor that kind of fits each character. And no, you don't. I just gave you one for that. Barrett. <laughs> well, one for Barrett, but I mean, all the other characters I think need one too. Okay, then I will do that too, but I will think that uh, Steve Carell is Cloud. That way I might like him a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to stick with office actors. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to rein things in and pretend I'm the host still, <laughs> just because we we oh no no it's great no because I just think it's hilarious because we all have such different stances on this and like I swear to God this this episode could be six hours long if we kept going, um, <laughs> but I was gonna say I just wanted to say for Cloud for me, I think it's confusing thinking about him because he's he's a clone of Sephiroth spoilers. I should say spoilers first, but <laughs> yeah, right. too bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my immersion. Sorry, not sorry. Ruin. <laughs> my immersion. Yeah. So, but he's a clown. He's a clown. A clone. <laughs> and he doesn't even know who he is. He doesn't know he's a clone. And he was a failure before that. So when he died, like the real cloud is gone, basically. He doesn't know who he is. He failed at becoming someone in Soldier. And... So he was just a weakling. He was a coward. And then all of a sudden, he just has more power than he knows what to do with. So I I think that's what they tried to do to balance him out a little bit, is make him cowardly. Make him like, oh, like, you know, this is going to... You know, he, he's got that shitty attitude because he doesn't know who the fuck he is, you know? So, I mean, I think that's relatable for me. It's just like he has no sense of self and that causes him to just second guess everything. And I thought that's, that's the only thing that made him human to me is because he's the genetically modified super soldier. You know, he's, he's Sephiroth in with different hair and all of a sudden doesn't know who he is. You know, you go from Sephiroth being just crazy. He wants to take over the world or destroy the world so he can become powerful. Cloud just wants to fucking know where he is. <laughs> so that's, that's, uh, I like, like I said, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with everything you guys to say, but I'm just, that, that's my stance on Cloud is, has actually recently changed because I'd never thought about it in this light. It's just, he's, he's lost. I just want to say like, in terms of Cloud as a protagonist, it's every time Square tries to do the silent protagonist, I don't think it really works very well. I think their strongest stories have been told with an ensemble cast, everybody speaking like six or four. But Cloud specifically, the one of the reasons why I think he's just so sad all the time is uh, I think it was the producer of the game. At the time, his mother died. Yeah, and he, he was going through a, gr a grieving period and he just didn't know how to express it. And when you take that as the background and you look at Cloud... He's just constantly depressing and and sad and doesn't know how to deal with everything around him. He's just numb in personality. When I think of the producer's dead mother and he's grieving, that's kind of correlates to me and why he made Cloud that way. Even though Cloud's motivations are different, ultimately, the feeling I get from the way he's in the game kind of calls back to that for me. Sure. I think it would be easier to create and write a character like Cloud from a, a point of despair um, speaking about the retribution or like the um, redemption moments that are lacking so much in Seven, 
there is a scene right before you battle Hojo in Midgar at the end where he refers to Cloud again and says, oh, yeah, you're the failure. Maybe I misjudged you or something, like, you know, because that if, if for no other reason is the one relatable part to Cloud is, you know, you, you've been cast aside. Everybody at some point, even if you're the most successful person in the world, has felt disenfranchised. So to kind of feel like you've been cast aside, but you've accomplished something nobody else has accomplished, you know, in your ilk. Uh, I, I think that's the one universal truth from Cloud that everybody could relate to. It just happens so late in the game, and it's somewhat predictable that it, it falls a little bit flat. Would you say it's predictable looking back at it, or was it predictable back then? Well, no. I mean, he's your main character, and, I mean, you know, obviously... How do I say it? <laughs> After Eris, what happened to Eris, how do you want to say it? She's just waiting for guys to fall out of the sky. So after she's gone, you know that you're basically susceptible to losing anybody. We saw that also in Final Fantasy VI. But with Cloud, you were always given that idea of he is going to be your leader and your final, you know, you're never not going to have him. And even if you lose him, which, you know, you do, you'll get him back. Um, so I think the redemption arc there in that way, of course, was obvious. He was always going to be that guy because you don't have the option of removing him from your party, which is the difference between six. You know, in, in six, you can just take anybody out of your party whenever the fuck you want, with few exceptions. But yeah, I, I, I do feel like the cloud stuff was predictable in that way. Um, I know I'm kind of rambling here. There's a lot of unpredict uh, unpredictable stuff about Cloud's story because it's nonsense, but the redemptive arc there, yes, I do think that was predictable, if that makes sense. Yeah. I wouldn't have ever been like, oh, clearly he is, you know, taking over somebody else's memories. No, that's that's absurd. But the uh, the redemptive <laughs> arc, yes. Well, I think that's part of what's making this game such a such a big deal for people who want to see a remake is because look at the conversation we're having over a single character. I mean, yes, yeah. protagonist of the game, but you can you can talk about other characters in other games just in much is much depth, but there's so much more back and forth. There's a lot more to consider. So like, you know, he's not perfect, and I like that. Sure, he's got annoying tendencies and stuff like that but i didn't find it that bad personally i mean you can look at all the characters like whatever happened with shadow and stuff like that like shadow's backstory and you know everybody else's and strago's like it's kind of crazy to think about it but i mean you have to go out of your way more with the with final fantasy 6 as opposed to 7 because seven's so much more in depth it feels like like the story is tighter uh but six i think because of the ensemble cast it has a lot more uh what do you want to say open like just a little bit more you can take it at a glance if you want to and i think that's part of the charm for me is because if you have favorite characters you can pay more attention to what they say you know sure. um when you have a party of three versus party of four it makes a big difference you know it, three i think the combat and stuff like that aside, I think that six for me has a better story just for the fact that there's a lot more going on. There's a lot more personal things like they're all on a vendetta against Shinra in six or in seven. And in six, they're all on a vendetta against Kefka. But it's like they all have different motivations. But six, they're not all trying to save the planet. They're all trying to save each other for me, you know, I mean, they are trying to save the planet. Yeah, but, but for me, yes. the two villains, I mean, it's it's. 
Kefka is the one wearing the boxers and Sephiroth is wearing these, you know, dainty silk briefs. They they don't compare. Kefka is just a maniacal, like Joker-esque, crazy son of a bitch who actually destroys the world. Like he scorches the earth and like the latter half is in a, in a desolate wasteland basically because of Kefka. Sephiroth has mummy issues, right? I, like I never got the appeal of Sephiroth. <laughs> The only thing I like about Sephiroth is he's got a really catchy theme song, which good for him. He's a rock star. But I mean, otherwise, I have he's just not. But a so good does villain. Kefka. He has a good theme Kefka too. Has even better. But one. he has the he has the 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 actions to back up how crazy he is. He's a great villain. Yes. I love him as a villain. Yeah, I think Kefka is probably the greatest villain in the Final Fantasy games to me. So uh, the ones that I've played, I think so. He's up there. No, Who I, else would I be agree up there? with that. I agree Gold with does? that. If we're talking about the series, Gold Dust mm. is rad. Oh, he's rad. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Also with has that. an amazing uh, theme song. That I have to disagree with that to the <laughs> point for to the extent that it wasn't really Golbez pulling the strings there. You know, but that's an interesting point. Let's let's look at this. And not talking about four, but talking about really a lot of these Final Fantasies. You start off thinking the bad guy is one thing or one person, the Empire, Shinra, Golbez, and there's always this big reveal where it transitions to you know, Zemus or Zeromus or whatever, or the, um, you know, Kefka. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying Squaresoft has always nailed the transition to, like, who's the big bad <laughs> to who's the actual big bad. Oh, no, no, I'm I saying... Mean, I, look I at Final Fantasy IX. Like, you spend the whole game doing one thing, and then you get to the tail end, and it's like, I am Big Crystal Floating Head. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm saying I just now realized that, like, um, you know, who's who's a better villain here? Shinra or the Empire? Well, who cares? But Who's even early Kefka on, Zephyroth, you know? Kefka was manipulating the situation constantly. He was pretty regularly the bad guy you dealt with. He was part of the Empire, but he was the worst of the Empire, you know? Yeah, even the even the Empire hated him. Zephyroth's just reading books and lifting weights. Zephyroth was cool. But Kefka, I think Kefka, I think Polsh nailed it. He is probably, in my opinion, again agreeing the the coolest and most interesting like the one i would want to see appear in more things big bad yeah and he sounds a lot like zoidberg so, <laughs> <laughs> so you, as you can see there's you know we've only talked about a couple of things we talked about protagonist and for for one game basically because there is no single protagonist in the second one even though people talk about you know Terra in the first half and Celeste in the second for Final Fantasy 6 you know there's so many different things we can go on we can talk about either game for hours and hours it's amazing to see how much of a difference between this game and that you know i thought there was three in north america was what we got is six so when final fantasy 7 came out i thought there was you know four five and six that came out in japan or something that we never got because the difference between six and seven graphically i was like oh wow so you know i was trying to find out and then i found out oh wait no this was this was no we never got we never missed on this time (laughs) (laughs) so it was was really cool to see you know how much of a change um not just graphically i think they changed you know for better for worse they changed everything you know, they, they tried to make it more appealing for everyone. I, I touched on it earlier. They added mini games, you know, they had little backstories and things that just stood apart that you didn't see in the other games that they couldn't have done without the hardware. So they tried to make up for 
you know, lack of hardware. And I think they nailed it. Has it aged well? No. I I think, you know, 6 has aged well, but because, you know, it's 2D, it has that advantage. It's always going to have that advantage. You're always going to remember the sprites exactly as they are. Um, I think when it comes to a 3D render of something, you're going to picture Cloud in your head closer to what you see in the movies, like in Advent Children, as opposed to the chibi-style guy that you run around on the world map. So I think mentally... You're you're pre you're more predisposed to enjoying the two D stuff personally for me anyway. I don't know about you guys. Well, I, I agree hundred percent. Like I forgot how bad the models of Cloud and the party members are for most of the game. In combat, the battle models look fantastic, but the rest of the, the around the world, especially when you're zoomed in really close, like the opening area when you're going the train there and he he drops down is chibi style, right? But at least where Final Fantasy VI did that, it looked fine. But the low poly lack of textures, it's such an ugly game. And nowadays, because the res is low and the backgrounds are all low res, it just naturally can't age well because of that. I'm actually looking forward to the remake because of all that. In defense of Seven on that front, as far as the character's presentation, the, the higher ups, like the heads at Square, they wanted more of the same in regards to what Final Fantasy looked like. So they really were like, let's let's keep the chibi characters. Let's keep the, the cutesy look. And so that's why they all look doofy when you're running around everywhere. But the director, oh, is it Sakaguchi? I think so, yeah. Hironobu Sakaguchi? Yeah, he, he pushed for a better presentation where he could. And that's why the models look so much better in combat. Because in combat, he, he was able to get away with that since the characters kind of needed to be able to convey more information as it was. So he wanted the big characters that looked more detailed, like in 8 did, you know. But Square management wasn't having that. They wanted Chibi. They wanted what 4, 5, and 6 had done. So on that front, I, I don't blame the project managers of Final Fantasy VII and the design and all that, because that was that was management-imposed limitations, not so much a design choice. Right. So, yeah, that's great points there. And I find when you're switching back and forth from the, the world map sprites to, you know, the battle ones in Seven, I think that kind of is the closest you're going to get for having the same experience as playing Six, where you're always in the, you know, the sprite mode. But when you fight, say, uh, Atma Weapon or Dullahan, where these crazy, crazy detailed sprites are, and then you have these tiny little chibi guys there, you kind of think, like, why is that more realistic? And then I kind of think, okay, so these are more like placeholders in my head. You know, the sprites are placeholders, and you kind of try to immerse yourself, put yourself in there if you name them after your friends like I do in high school (laughs) and junior high, you know. you do that kind of thing. It, you had, like I said, use your imagination more, and I think that's kind of the closest thing you could do with six, uh, with seven, when it comes to having the cheesy world map versus the cool battle sprites. I think the cool battle sprites were kind of what I was doing mentally <laughs> in six. Is like, okay, yeah, this is what I picture them fighting like, you know. So I don't know. It, it's like Final Fantasy six. The um, what helped me. Because you're right, the, the the enemy sprites are very detailed and look awesome, and they're kind of a bit of a contrast to the chibi characters of the of the main characters. But what helps me is when you look at the profile screen or like the the menu, 
you get to see those um, detailed artwork headshots of all the characters. Mm, yeah. And exactly. it's completely yeah. off the wall so different you know than what it's like. But it helps tie things together. Exactly. And I think that's part of what made me picture those in my head. If if you guys haven't done that, try it sometime. <laughs> Anybody who's listening, give it a shot. Like, it's it's more like, okay, you know, the graphics are dated. Yeah, I don't care if it was made in 94 or 93. This stuff was, I think it's still ahead of its time. You know, Chrono Trigger, the same way. You know, the art of these old games, they stand up and they're iconic because, you know, there's more to it than just, like, poorly drawn sprites for some games you know sometimes they're everything they do is on purpose they all have a purpose and the one thing that helps final Fantasy 7 sorry to interrupt is uh, final Fantasy 7 has the benefit of emulation these days right um i want to go through it again because i did start it but there's a, a a large amount of mods for final Fantasy 7 on pc including smoothing up the background environments uh, messing with the music adding better polygons uh to the overworld map just a whole host of different mods you can install that make the game, I mean, it, better against other games in this generation, I guess. It makes it stand up a little bit better. Because some, some of the stuff in Final Fantasy VII, like, the, for me, it was the lack of textures on some of the monsters. You got to remind yourself it's a PlayStation-era game. And PlayStation 1 games are ugly, just the way it was, right? But the mods help a lot. It was all brand new technology, right? right. So, I mean, they were still working... Probably they were still pushing the limits, I'd say, back then, even with, you know, lack of textures, right? Because, so, I mean, a polygon was like one color more than anything. I think if you're a fan of Final Fantasy One, for example, the the argument about how bad the graphics are in Seven is kind of a moot point. And the reason I say that is Final Fantasy One was a pioneer for what it was. And it's the exact same thing with Seven. If the gameplay is there, and I think us retro video gamers can appreciate what I'm about to say... If the gameplay is there, the graphics are secondary in their importance. Um, yeah, I'll agree. And, and to me, go. Final Fantasy VII is exactly that way. They nailed the gameplay. Uh, so the graphics, while they haven't aged well, I, I think people who complain about that, really the only leg they have to stand on is all of the commercials for Final Fantasy VII showed us the FMV. So we all thought that's how yeah. the in-game play was going to look. So when it came out, of course, you're disappointed. But the gameplay was there. So, to me, the shittiness of the graphics, of course they matter, but it's not that big of a deal because we already played Final Fantasy 1, and it was the same thing. Great gameplay, but the graphics are, you know, old world, so. For me, if I had one complaint about 6, it's probably the battle system for the fact that everyone becomes a mage. If I had a complaint for 7, it was probably the controls, just for the fact that, you know, if you play it, you can't use the analog. So that's that's something. And it was the way it's screwed up with the skewed on most angles. Like your control, your directions are just weird. So it's kind of wonky. So that's like my biggest beef with the game, which is a minor thing. Especially seeing as, you know, it's it's not a platformer. Save us all if it was. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so if you guys uh, want... Let's, Try to close it up here a little bit because otherwise we'll be talking about this for another hour and a half. So, anything, you got, any points you guys want to talk about before uh, before we cut, shut it down for tonight? Uh, Gold Saucer was brilliant. Chocobo breeding was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The Chocobo part is still the only part that I'd be willing to go back and do in seven, and it's just because that was the part that was most fun to me. Have you played the MMO? I uh, are you talking about fourteen? Yeah. I played it a little bit. Because they added the gold saucer, and the chocobo racing in that is actually 
loads of fun. They also have Triple Triad yep. in that as well. I almost consider subscribing to it just to play those. I did. I did both of those things. But uh, yeah, like Final Fantasy six versus seven. I got to go with six myself. And that's like mechanically, I do think seven is superior in almost every way. But if I'm going to sit and play a game for 60 to 80 hours, it's it can't just be download after download after download. Like to me, seven is just a constant downward spiral with quirks. Six is a roller coaster. There's down moments, but they're followed by, you know, let's kick some ass. Let's do something awesome. You know, let's it. It didn't constantly keep you in a state of despair. What? I I got to say, I agree. With and you. that's what that's what makes it more memorable to me. I mean, you have, you know, this story about the airship race between Setzer and Daryl. And it was sad but it was interesting and it was a cool little story backstory for Setzer the the fact that I, I also kind of respect the fact that six, you can make arguments for who the main character is. Most people will just be like, it's Tara understandably. So, but I've, I myself, I kind of view Celeste as the main character. Well, that's the thing too. Like after the second part, when you get into the world of ruin, that's when it kind of takes over the role of Celeste. And the, so people argue that you know the first half is Terra, the second half is Celeste. Both arguments valid. I like it. Well, it's not just that; it's that Celeste has the biggest standoff with Kefka. Celeste yeah. is the one you have to beat the game with. You don't have to beat it with Terra. It's true. <laughs> yeah, you could skip getting Terra completely. So wait, can you for the second half? I thought you mm-hmm. had to get her. You can beat the game with Setzer, uh, Celeste, and Edgar. As, as soon as you get Setzer, you get the airship, and you can actually go oh, take on Jeffka. That's a challenge, apparently, amongst the the uh, runners and stuff. Like I will say that for Final Fantasy VII, there were just always so many plot holes, I guess, in the overall story. I, I'm still confused about Cloud and Soldier and who he's a clone of. I, I never got that. I've watched all the, the, the movies and some of the other lore material, but the game on its own, standing on its own, the plot holes are too big. Six, I mean, not to say that goes very deep either, but it's more forgiving because there's so many characters and there's at least one or two side story threads for each character. So you get enough of a plot to fill in details for that that character and it kind of doesn't matter that you don't have the whole story. But with Seven being so cloud-focused, it's those holes are really open and glaring. And that's why I like the story in Six so much more. I do, I do like seven, but six is my clear favorite. I, I'm gonna agree with you there because seven is much more eccentric around the you know three or four characters. You have optional characters in both games. You have Yuffie or Yuffie and Vincent in seven. You have Umaru and uh, Gogo in six. There's more backstory that will come out of it, but it seems like it's integral in seven, like with. Yuffie's character and stuff like that. You need to have her for this and that. It's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to basically be beating it back home that I just like six better. So I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> I think this is great. I mean, play whichever one you want. If you haven't played either, play them both. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't Kit, don't yeah. sit here and listen to people in a podcast tell you don't play, don't play six or don't play seven or don't play any game. Because we tell you it's a pile of garbage or we're not big fans of it or whatever. And that's not to say I'm saying 7 is a pile of garbage. Like I said, I loved it the first time. The first time, it was a great game. 
but subsequent attempts I can't do. And I do recommend if you haven't played it and you like JRPGs, absolutely do it. And like the benefit from the fast forward option now in, in current emulation, having a hotkey for fast forwarding through those long grinding of battles is amazing. Nope, we can't we yeah. can't talk about that right now, Jake. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't get me started on that. But that's a whole other episode, my man. No grind run. <laughs> and uh, yeah, can we can we get one of those randomizers like they do with uh, Link to the Past and Metroidvania or Super Metroid? Can we get that with Final Fantasy six VI and seven, please? Isn't there uh, isn't there one for six already? No, he's talking about like combine them. Yeah, you enter a door and all of a sudden you're in Final Fantasy VI. Oh. And then you go back and all of a sudden Cloud is cross-dressed. And yes, Cloud, I, I have modeled a lot of my drag looks after him. <laughs> you lie. That's that's the missus. Cut him off. That. I'll rip him off. I'll smash him. <laughs> Done, Corneo. He's a pretty, pretty oh. princess. <laughs> He's a pretty right, guys. <laughs> All right, guys, I want to thank you again for uh, this is probably the most uh, heated discussion we've had yet. So <laughs> it's the first time we've been talking over each other since uh, like the first episode. So I, I like it. So I'm going to give that uh, plus 10 to energy. Anyways, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out here. This has been Press B to Cancel and uh, hope to catch you next time. And in the meantime, don't mash that B. We got more coming. <laughs> <laughs> Well, sure. While we have everybody listening, we hope you enjoyed the episode. And uh, we all just want to take a minute to shout out our early supporters. I mean, we've been doing this now for, I think, 12 episodes now. That's that's pretty good. But, uh, I mean, our listeners that have stayed with us from the beginning are much appreciated. And we've had a lot of love and support from quite a few people. There's a few, but we're just going to shout out a couple right now. Um, I'll start off with uh, Blitzbrom, who's a, a notable streamer on Twitch. Actually went ahead and added a command for a podcast to advertise for us, which is great. We really appreciate that support, man. Yeah, I'd like to uh, thank you, Got Marin. She's also been supporting us and uh, retweeting for our episodes. So thank you, Marin. I'd like to throw a thank you at Seneca Gaming, who has also added a command for us and constantly shouts out our podcast in his his streams. Another Twitch streamer. Yeah, and then um, another streamer who has been a, a not only a big supporter. But the uh, the composer of our theme music, Arthur the our Last Ancient. Our banging theme music, thank yeah, you. Banging th- yeah, But yeah, Arthur oh, yeah. Arthur the Last Ancient um, is, is the man. And so thank you all uh, for the love, the support, and the continued um, efforts at getting, uh, getting the word out about us. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I want to ask you guys before we go, what does it feel like knowing all three of you were wrong today? this has been press b to cancel thank you very much (laughs) that was a lot of fun guys yeah it was a good episode yeah man that was a good one yeah all right i'm gonna go and hit stop and then uh, that was a good one (laughs) (laughs) special thanks for music go to arthur the ancient found on soundcloud or the last ancient on youtube for more episodes, please visit our website, pressbtocancel.com. As well, feel free to like or subscribe at Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you'd like to listen to your favorite shows. As always, thank you. This has been... Cancel.